Hello, everyone, and welcome to Unlocking the Potential of Assessments, the show that delves into creating, delivering, and reporting on valid and reliable assessments. In each episode, we chat with assessment luminaries, influencers, subject matter experts, and customers to discover and examine the latest in best practice guide for all things assessment. I'm your host, John Kleeman, founder of Question Mark and EVP of Industrial Relations and Business Development at Lonosity, the assessment technology company. Today, really pleased to welcome uh, Sid Gupta, who's the CEO at Mercer Metal. As the CEO, Sid heads all key departments across Mercer Metal's global and domestic operations and oversees its continuing expansion in India and various international geographies. Having held key leadership positions at some of the most prestigious global IT companies, such as HP and SAP, he's been instrumental in building several business verticals from scratch within these organizations. Sid holds a dual postgraduate diploma in business management and marketing management from the Xavier Institute of Management and the Time Schools of Marketing, respectively. Welcome, Sid. Thank you, John. Uh, thank you so much for this opportunity, and it's a pleasure to be here on this forum with you. We're really pleased to have you. So like I tend to ask everybody, how did you get into the world of assessment? So frankly, John, uh, you know, assessment world was absolutely new to me. I uh, uh, started my career in the uh, core IT sector. I worked with uh, companies like Compaq and then Hewlett Packard and uh, joined SAP and I was a vice president with SAP for nearly 10 years. And uh, as you know, uh, in the in the larger ERP world, uh, HR itself is a niche and within HR assessment and uh, using assessment for recruitment and development was a super niche. So frankly, before I joined the sector, uh, I was uh, completely oblivious to the fact that there is a thriving industry uh, within uh, within the HR world, uh, where uh, you use uh, assessments uh, for uh, assessing talent uh, for recruitment or for development. So it was a chance meeting with uh, with a with a VC in India, and uh, they were chiding me that uh, I should uh, help startups uh, grow in the country, and uh, that is where I got introduced to uh, the founders of uh, Metal. At that time, we were a startup uh, funded by Kalari Capital and. Uh, Blue Ventures in India, and uh, 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 absolute chance meeting with the founders, and they called me to their headquarters. And for about three to four months, I was uh, working as an advisor. I was helping the two founders shape the organization. But that's when the entire assessment world opened up to me, and uh, I realized uh, that this is one niche which is going to become a very well-established, mature industry, and how it is going to add value to the entire uh, uh, corporate sector. So it's it's been an amazing journey since then. I've been here for more than six and a half years now, uh, and uh, every year has been a new learnings for me as well as for my organization. So uh, really enjoying my time here. That sounds good. I think some of our listeners might not know what a metal do or who they are. Do you, do you want to give a, a, a brief introduction? Absolutely. So uh, metal started in the year 2010, and uh, we got uh, we started as uh, a training company. Surprisingly, uh, mostly most listeners would know us as an assessment entity, uh, but we started as a corporate training entity. And wherever we used to go and train uh, our uh, our customers, they used to turn around and decision makers used to ask us the efficacy of that training, the dollars that they spend on us. And that's where we pivoted to uh, becoming an online assessment agency. So today, Metal uh, offering could be seen as uh, one, a very basic online assessment platform which last calendar year has uh, rendered around 20 million assessments online. Uh, this assessment um, uh, engine actually can take in nearly all types of questions and answer formats. It's got the bells and whistles in terms of 
you know, uh, randomization or any other feature that an assessment entity can offer. Uh, beyond just the core assessment uh, engine, we have uh, another pillar called content. So if you look at any job, uh, you could actually explode it into competencies needed for that job to be done well. Those competencies usually would fall into one of the three buckets. One is uh, the personality and the behavior needed for the job to be done well. A second bucket would be cognition, the intelligence needed for that job to be done well. And the third one is the knowledge or the skill needed uh, for the job to be done well. So we are a very unique entity which has the ability to uh, create a blueprint which can measure competencies in all the three buckets. So we work with uh, corporates across the globe, more than I think 7,800 at the last count, uh, where we help them assess talent either to hire the right talent, uh, which is early talent or experienced talent, outs from outside the company or within the company as well. Or we also work with the uh, HR heads and the L&D heads to help them understand what kind of skills and knowledge exists in the company today uh, and where should their L&D dollars be spent so that uh, people's skill and knowledge can be aligned to where they want to take their organization. So we currently uh, are a 450 people organization headquartered out of uh, New Delhi uh, in India. Uh, but we, as you said in the beginning and in my introduction as well, so I head this globally for Mercer. Uh, so we support all Mercer locations across the globe where we are now taking uh, the online assessment uh, offering uh, to more than 130-odd countries. The third pillar of what we offer is this entire assessment engine as well as the content, we have the ability to uh, increase authenticity of the test environment as well. So we have this unique experience of building an AI algorithm which has been trained over 1.3 million assessments that have flown through it, which can actually catch digression in any uh, test instance. So if, if there is any test taker who is trying to game the assessment, uh, by uh, by using unfair means. So the AI algorithm actually has the ability to catch those 13 to 14 various digressions and reduce the credibility index of the entire test instance as well. So that's in a nutshell what we do. We Our engine uh, during COVID has got used by uh, nearly 450-odd education entities as well across the globe uh, because they've used us uh, to keep the lights on uh, while the world was shut off. And we've conducted entrance exams uh, semester exams, end semester exams, and certification exams for many entities across the globe. So so it's been uh, one journey over the last three years, but, uh, but uh, we're very glad that uh, we were able to contribute by keeping the lights on, uh, even when the whole world had to switch off. For sure. And you and I met, I know, because we're Question Mark and Metal have a, a partnership which we're bringing out this year where we're going to offer some of your proctoring capabilities to, to our customers. So so let's come back to assessment in a little bit. But if you could maybe talk about, uh, because I think you, you were at HP and then SAP and then made this big jump, jump to a relatively small company. Uh, let's start, uh, why don't you just tell us a little bit about your history at HP and SAP? Thanks, John. So, uh it's very difficult to connect the dots in my life. <laughs> so I, uh, I, uh, as you said, I did a small marketing course. I, I'm actually a, a honors student in physics. And uh, after doing three years of uh, honors studies in physics, I wanted to run away as far away from science as possible. And uh, I did my marketing course. And uh, post that, I joined one of the largest media houses in India, uh, which is the Benetton Coleman, uh, which owns the Times of India and the Economic Times brand here. Uh, I worked with them for some time. And uh, then realized uh, that I wanted to uh, take a formal degree, uh, a business degree, uh, and then join back the industry. So my intent of uh, doing an MBA, a formal MBA, was to come back to either the media industry or come back as an advertiser. And uh, once I spent two years studying business, 
uh, I uh, happened to land up in the IT sector, which was the uh, the, the fastest growing sector in in uh, in, the, in the 2000s. Uh, so um, I, I joined a brand called Compaq. I don't know how many of your listeners would remember. I do very well. They used to be one of the biggest computer brands. Uh but I'm not sure if all our listeners will have memories that far back. So actually, you know, uh, uh, fun facts about Compaq was uh, they actually came out with a Palm competitor called iPack. So they actually gave us a mobile phone in our hands way, way before uh, iPhone was, uh, uh, was launched by Steve Jobs. And uh, the only problem was uh, that the internet and the telecom was not as pervasive as what it was when, uh, when the iPhone was launched. It was one of those companies which was very much into innovation, uh, and, but fortunately, unfortunately, they got acquired by Hewlett Packard, and and then then I became uh, uh, part of a very very large hundred billion dollar plus uh, American uh, multinational, and I continued with them for nearly six and a half seven years, and uh, then left and joined SAP, and uh, SAP was one experience which uh, which really I think added to my experience because uh, unlike what mostly viewers would think, uh, SAP is more a business transformation entity than a tech entity. Uh, though they have amazing technology, uh, you know, uh, if you talk to anybody in the tech in SAP, they would say that SAP servers don't go down ever. Uh, so they can scale and they can hold any volume of business uh, that can be thrown at them. But more importantly, uh, what SAP teaches you is understanding core of every industry that you want to automate. And uh, that's where I got the exposure of working with uh, the boards, the senior most people in that industry understand the core processes that support the industry and understand what value can be unearthed if you automate that process. So I worked uh, within SAP, I, I feel over 10 years, I every two years I was doing a different industry. So I got a very broad exposure to ports, to airports, to petroleum, to you know upstream petroleum, to downstream petroleum, to a gas entity. So I kind of did a whole spectrum of industries and their automation, uh, which gave me an amazing perspective of looking at an industry and a company within that uh, from the eyes of, a, of, of the CXOs of that company. And, and that's where I was uh, when I was 39. And I think it was midlife crisis more than anything else that uh, I wanted to jump ship from a very large brand and wanted to join the startup ecosystem. And that's where uh, Metal happened. And uh, Metal was, I think, less than $3 million then in revenue. And uh, I was already doing uh, close to about uh, maybe 50 to $60 million for, uh, for SAP then. So it was like a sh- jump from a very large ship to a very small boat. Uh, but uh, frankly, it's, it's been an amazing journey since then. Uh, of uh, literally uh, more than 25x growth uh, in the startup. Uh, we, uh, we grew the company and then in 2018, uh, November, uh, uh, Mercer uh, gave us a all, all cash exit. So uh, two of my co-founders, they quit, but I continued as part of uh, the plan and uh, took over as the CEO for Mercer Metal. And since then, it's been three and a half years that I've been leading uh, Mercer Metal. Uh, as a function within the larger uh, global business services uh, under the larger Mercer umbrella uh, and supporting all regions and local countries from India. That's a great story. And I don't think there are probably many people in your boat. And I, and I think, if I understand right, Metal is a very young company. You said when we were talking before that the average age was uh, 27 or something like that, uh, which makes you the one of the oldest people there or whatever. That must be good. It's a very, uh, very hilarious anecdote. I, I uh, came to the startup thinking that I'm, I'm very young. And at 39, uh, uh, I was actually one of the youngest vice presidents in SAP. 
and uh, when I landed up here, within 15 days, it was my 40th. And the founders, they arranged for a small party on the floor. We, we just had one floor. We were a very small startup then. And uh, we had these youngsters walk up to me and say, so how old are you today? And I just happened to mention I'm 40. And then everybody realized, including the founders, that nobody else was 40 in the company. So so it made me the <laughs> oldest in the company uh, because even the founders were about four to five years younger to me then. It, it was an amazing experience, uh, frankly, uh, because uh, when you have such a young, energetic uh, workforce, they're very, also very talented, uh, ready to put in the hours and uh, very okay to change. Uh, it's something that you miss in very large companies. So, so whatever learnings that I came uh, with from large companies and when I started, uh, you know, kind of rewiring metal for scale, uh, I, I found uh, a very good bunch of uh, early learners who were ready to change, who were ready to adopt new processes and, and uh, uh, you know, grow themselves professionally uh, and, and really helped, that really helped me, aligning the entire young workforce to a new vision uh, of, uh, of growing a startup from 3 million uh, to nearly uh, more than 25, 30 odd million that we are today. Uh, it's been one incredible journey. No, in, indeed, indeed. Let's move on to talk about assessment a bit and the value or the future of it. I mean, there's been a lot of criticism that, uh, particularly in America, that tests can be uh, biased or whatever. What's your take on that, both in the Indian perspective and uh, in, in the international perspective? Uh, you know, uh, the era of global perspectives is 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 passe, if you ask me, uh, because uh, uh, every solution plays a different role in different parts of the world. So I'll uh, most probably, uh, you know, maybe I'll give you a India and, and, a, and a developing world view. Uh, uh, so, so one view is, if you look at India, uh, mostly uh, the most prestigious tech, uh, medical or business schools, uh, they are fewer in numbers and the number of applicants is very high. Uh, so uh, a, a standardized test, uh, which uh, acts like a filter uh, and uh, filters out the most talented uh, knowledge and skilled students is something that has democratized education in India. So if you look at the top IITs in India, uh, not the richest people's kids, they study in the IITs. It is ones who put in the maximum number of hours to prepare for the test. And uh, there's proper industry around uh, teaching them. Uh, there, are, there are banks which finance this teaching. So, so it, it's, it's played a part. Uh, you know, it, it's built the brand IIT. It's built the brand IIMs. Uh, and, and you have uh, this story replicated in many developing countries where standardized tests have actually played the part of democratizing education. Similarly, from a recruitment standpoint as well, if you look at the private sector recruitment uh, in the country, uh, it, is, it was always based on, uh, you know, personal decisions. It was reference or, or the gut feel of the interviewers. Whereas uh, a lot of hiring today in the private sector happens purely basis whether a candidate is skilled uh, on a particular technology or, or, or has a particular level of cognition level or not, or has the right personality and behavior to match what's expected out of the role. So uh, these assessments have removed biases, uh, which, which have helped many deserving candidates get the right opening in their career, and then they have thrived in that and, and grown. Uh, across so so that's one perspective uh, the other perspective and I, I i don't criticize it at all in in the us there is there are a lot of genuine voices which say uh, that maybe some of these tests need to be uh, uh, validated 
you need to go deeper into the science behind the how, behind how the tests have been constructed so that we ensure that people of all ethnicity of all uh, background get a fair chance uh, whether it is getting into a prestigious uh, college or it is getting uh, a job and getting equal opportunity to get a job so what i would say is that assessments have a huge role to play going forward in the future because uh, it is becoming more and more difficult to separate out facts from fake uh, in in this very noisy uh, digital world and uh, it's very difficult to ascertain whether somebody really has the knowledge and the skill to do something or not uh, whether it's a student or an applicant and uh, but uh, you know that makes our job even more serious uh, we have to very seriously invest uh, in talent which will help us create the right kind of items build them up into a question bank build it up into a blueprint which we can then defend as something that doesn't have a bias built into it against anybody i think that's that's a responsibility we all carry and um, and at mercer metal we are completely invested in that uh, we are working very hard with uh, some of the uh, leading voices in this field to ensure that we first of all create tests which work and then we have enough to back it up in terms of science so so that's one journey that we have to be on and and so i think just to uh, restate what you're saying i think what you're saying is that maybe in some countries there are issues with tests having an element of bias but on the whole and particularly in in asia they have reduced uh, perhaps nepotism and increased fairness and and so although that we can always do better tests have actually been a huge force for good in a lot of the countries you've worked in just to add there even uh, to touch upon artificial intelligence john uh, you know so if you look at the world last 100 years we've had organizations which take uh, take interviews uh, and interviews happen across the org structure for hiring talent but you know that practice has uh, got fault lines because those fault lines are visible today uh, we have an invisible glass ceiling we have bias against gender built in uh, that's fairly uh, uh, you know evident in all the reports that are coming out we don't have uh, equal pay for equal experience and skill across uh, gender uh, as well uh, we have different fault lines that uh, are visible and are being talked about today and we are uh, taking steps towards addressing it so if we come from a logic that everything that was happening for the last 100 years is right uh, and no technology is needed to uh, change that then then i think that's a wrong position uh, what the beauty of these tests and what uh, what ai algorithms or algorithms can do is they become a system of record so if there is a bias that bias actually if it is built into an algorithm it's possible for us to audit that algorithm and and understand what kind of a bias has got built into it and then you can actually correct that bias so the difference between what was happening earlier was there was no system of record if there was interviews happening there was no recording of those interview happening nobody was auditing what kind of people were we hiring it's only after 5 10 years that you got to know okay we have only 25% women in our workforce correct so it was something which was done post facto but today with algorithms being there it's possible for us to uh, create the system of record and ensure that that system of record is audited by the right uh, uh, right people so that we are able to correct any such biases so instead of running away from standardized tests running away from use of ai actually we should be gunning for more adoption with the right uh, you know policy to ensure that 
there are checks and balances built into this use of technology i think that is the right path forward rather than trying to shut our eye and say okay we will just go back to how things were done earlier because the technology is not ready for to support us today uh, so i think i think that's that's the point i was trying to make that, that that sounds good and what about technology generally how do you see technology and assessment being helpful i mean we talked about one thing about the system of record why else is um, technology and assessment valuable as against maybe paper assessments or i hope i'm you know in the assessment world uh, I, I don't get criticized after this podcast, but coming <laughs> purely from a from a neutralized standpoint, because I, I'm I'm kind of still new. Six years is hardly any time in the assessment world. I felt after coming here that uh, we were a bit of a laggard in uh, adopting technology, uh, and I think that's why a lot of newer startups which came, uh, they uh, kind of uh, changed the fundamentals for many established players. And uh, Mercer Metal uh, is one such offering where uh, we kind of democratize assessments across the entire org structure. So if you remember the earlier world, mostly uh, uh, the psychometric and the behavioral assessments uh, used to be done at the top of the organization, where we were trying to do assessment center, development center, and build leadership, uh, build succession plans, and uh, high potential only at the top of the organization, because assessments at every level of the organization was just too expensive to render. And, And that's where we came in and we said, okay, we'll create a... Uh, uh, a virtual world where the same assessment can be taken uh, to everybody in the organization uh, because uh, we want to take that science which has benefited the top of the organization to across the organization. So whether it was hiring at the entry level, uh, it was hiring for first-time manager or it was hiring for second-line manager, we uh, had this ability to use technology to, uh, to customize assessment for every job role uh, that a company had. And I think uh, and that's one of the reasons why adoption of assessments really took off in the last six to seven years. Uh, and now it's become a standard uh, across mostly all industries that some form of assessment happens, whether it is for hiring or it's for uh, for development of people. So I think uh, use of technology uh, to, uh, uh, to either hire the right talent or go granular understanding every person's potential and creating a learning path for that potential is possible using technology today. And I think that's the path which we are on now. Uh, there is there is a lot of ground that we can still cover, uh, but it's a, it's a very welcome start uh, with a lot of new startups coming in, a lot of established players also investing in technology now. I feel uh, the real potential of, uh, of, of humans in every job role uh, is going to get uh, uh, you know, um, measured properly. And, and we will be able to invest in it uh, to uh, to improve uh, everybody's life going forward. Thank you. And and can we, uh, for people listening who are implementing technology assessments, whatever, obviously people are using lots and lots of different tools. But but what what advice would you give people uh, if they are in the process of moving the assessments to technology or implementing more assessment technology? So frankly, uh, you know the way assessment technology is evolving. Uh, there is, uh, you know, everything, it's, it doesn't have to be a monolithic architecture. So if you have a ERP implemented, which has a very strong HR module, then, you know, from a granular standpoint, you could have a very good uh, applicant tracking system. Uh, you could have that applicant tracking system integrated with a job board. Uh, that applicant tracking system can be integrated with an assessment platform like ours. Uh, and uh, whatever other filtered candidates, they could be online virtually, sent a link where they can come in uh, and give an assessment. 
and that data uh, would then flow in back to the ERP. So, uh, you know, these kind of integrations are possible today. Uh, giving you an example of the learning and development world, whether you have a Canvas or a Moodle or a Blackboard implemented in, uh, in terms of uh, LMSs, uh, you can run your learning and development on that and you can call for an assessment uh, uh, without really the candidate knowing that he stepped out of your architecture. So it is possible for you to build a world-class system uh, without uh, you know giving up on any of the feature functionalities uh, and give a seamless experience to your, uh, your, your customer, whether it's internal to the company or external to the company, without investing very heavy dollars because all of these solutions are available uh, on, in a SaaS mode. Uh, you can uh, you know, scale up and scale down as per your business requirement. And, and they are all available on cloud and they are scalable and they are highly secure because all of these organizations are now SOC 2, we are GDPR, we follow all global guidelines. So without letting go of security, you can scale at, at a very, very low cost uh, for your organization. So I think to all decision makers, it's the, I, the time of this uh, idea has come already. So if you're not already on this, uh, path of deciding uh, I think it's a, it's a good time to start and quickly catch up and it won't take you too many dollars and too much time to catch up as well because mostly all these offerings are uh, very mature uh, for example at Mercer Metal we are integrated with almost all ERPs we are integrated with all all LMSs we are integrated uh, with almost all applicant tracking systems so it's it's not that you'll have to be uh, experimenting with anything uh, for example our partnership uh, John uh, with with QM uh, so what we've done is we've actually decoupled our remote invigilation capability from our assessment and we have offered to QM and partnered with them to run or call for proctoring on top of a QM assessment itself. So uh, your, your questions don't come on our test engine. You just call for remote invigilation and this remote invigilation can be done by an AI or it could be a human uh, assisted by an AI and this human could be your customer himself. So it doesn't have to be a uh, Mercer Metal Proctor. It ha doesn't have to be a QM Proctor. It could be a professor sitting in a remote country uh, invigilating his own class or it could be a uh, recruitment HRBP head who's overseeing uh, invigilation of his own selection process. So uh, all of these flexibilities are available uh, uh, on call today and they are priced at per assessment. So that's how convenient it is for uh, all uh, decision makers to choose, pick and choose and build their own system. Yes, and we're really excited about that. So for listeners, we're not quite sure what our official name of it will be, but essentially it's bring your own proctor, although there are other options there, there too. One of the challenges with sometimes uh, proctoring or invigilation exams is that you don't want a, a third party, a stranger, to be looking at your people taking your tests. And so what uh, the bring your own proctoring will allow uh, uh, is the ability to have your own people using professional question mark and metal software to uh, observe people taking a test and, and rather than having a stranger do it, you have somebody who's in your organization and uh, meets all your privacy or uh, language needs of, of your of your test takers. And very few people are offering this at the moment. And we're really excited to be uh, launching this in, in 2022 with Metal. And I know we've got a lot of customers who are, are very, very excited about it. And we're uh, just putting the final touches to it between uh, your and our uh, technical teams. And uh, that will be, be announced very shortly. So I think we've covered largely the Around. Maybe we could just talk a little bit about why why proctor. So, I mean, you obviously can have an unproctored test and a, and a proctor test. Uh, what do you think are the key practical benefits of having a, a proctor or invigilator involved? 
you know as, as i said earlier uh, use of artificial intelligence is something that all policy makers and all decision makers uh, are are experimenting with and and they are wary of uh, leaving all final decisions to an ai so the approach that we uh, we took at muscle metal was uh, that we want ai assisting a human so we always kept uh, uh, you know a, a window open for uh, us to review the output that the ai has given uh, so that the decision making can be fair uh, and transparent to the uh, test taker and and, uh, and and wherever the impact is uh, going to be held so what we did was uh, we uh, we started training this ml algorithm earlier and then later on an ai algorithm we kind of updated our uh, proctoring capability and uh, nearly more than 1.2 odd million uh, assessment instances have flown through this and uh, what we did was we started training this ai algorithm to look at about 13 to 14 different digressions that we saw in these 1.2 odd million tests that we uh, you know that that flew through this algorithm where if a, if a student should not be having a mobile phone in their hand or they should not be having a book to refer to uh, or they should not move away from the screen and be missing for a few minutes so we started training them on all of this but we realized that uh, the technology still has some uh, you know time to mature so what we did was we started building an equation which calculates the uh, credibility index of the entire test instance and we started giving this freedom to the customer to define what does credibility mean in his test so for somebody maybe a mobile phone is okay for a student to have so credibility would not go down in case a student is seen with a mobile phone but for another uh, another exam taker it could be a very big digression because it's a test uh, where you should not have a mobile phone so we started giving this equation out to our customers telling them that you can define uh, what does credibility mean for your assessment and then once we agree so whenever we work with any customer today we first define with him or her what is the credibility definition for your test instance once that is baked into the system then uh, the ai when uh, when it's invigilating a particular student it gives you flags as per the credibility defined by you in the system and then those flags get reported out to a human now this human could be a service that you could take from us because we have a uh, lot of uh, trained staff uh, which is uh, you know we've done background verifications we've done the uh, you know bells and whistles in terms of building that team uh, uh, who've been trained and audited for uh, invigilating uh, a remote uh, test instance but you could also do it yourself so uh, you could imagine yourself sitting in uh, on in front of the screen with maybe 15 of your students and the ai would actually flag off any digression that you have defined in that credibility index equation and you could actually go to that tile and click and see why this digression has been reported by the ai and if you find something uh, uh, that is not fitting your definition of a true test you could actually pause the test remotely and ask the student uh, you know why he was missing or she was missing from the screen or 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 why were they trying to open a, another uh, browser to uh, you know why did they try and open uh, say for example google to search for something so all of those things can be regulated in a way uh, ensuring that the test doesn't lose its authenticity and if two students are competing uh, in the same test then uh, you know the credibility of the test is maintained 
throughout. No, that sounds great. Sorry to, to cut you short. No, I, I think having human in the loop is really key there because it deals with the educators and the people who um, maybe uh, have accessibility issues and so need to behave differently or, or other things. So I, I think that is the way to go, that always there's a human who makes the decision. It sounds like that that is your approach too. Yes, absolutely, John. So look, it's been really good speaking to you. Sorry to cut you off, but uh, my producer is telling me we're, we're, we're running to, to the end of time. It'd be really interesting to hear your story, uh, both the move from SAP and HP into our assessment world and your perspective on the assessment world from a slightly different perspective than we, we always hear. Thank you for listening, everybody, for us today. We appreciate your support. Uh, thank you also for, for Sid for joining. Uh, don't forget that if you've enjoyed the podcast, why not subscribe to it through your favorite listening platform. Also, please feel free to reach out to me directly at johnaquestionmark.com with any questions, comments, or if you'd like to keep the conversation going. You can also visit the Question Mark website at questionmark.com to register for any of our many best practice webinars. Also, uh, Metal have a, have a great great website as well. Um, thank you again, and please tune in for another exciting podcast discussion we'll be releasing shortly.